The information provided in this podcast is intended for general knowledge and is not a substitute for professional medical advice or treatment under the guidance of your personal physician. Welcome back to another episode of Faith, Family, and Medicine. This is Dr. Marcy. And this is Dr. Sean. And we are so excited to be back with you after a year of COVID and not talking to you guys. I know. We got busy. <laughs> a lot of stuff happened, as a you lot. know. <laughs> Kids are out of school. A lot of patients, a lot of crazy things going on. Yes. Working. Just super busy, like all of you. Yeah. Yep. And so since we haven't seen you in so long, how about we just go ahead and catch you up on how we are doing, how things are going in the hospitals and in the clinics. Sean, how's everything going for you? Well, we have been super busy. We have been seeing not not just COVID now. Actually, a lot of the regular cold and flu viruses are starting to reemerge. Mm-hmm. Last year was a very um, slow year for the run-of-the-mill colds and RSV. But now those things are making a comeback. Mm -hmm. So it's going to make it very important um, to talk about what we are going to be addressing today. Yeah, yeah. So it seems like, yeah, the RSV kind of came in later in the picture than it typically would. We didn't see a lot of flu last year, but we suspect that we'll see more flu this year, especially since things are opening up. So we're not talking about the flu shot right now. Go back to one of our previous episodes where we did talk about it, but we do encourage you guys to get the flu shot. Please get your flu vaccine. As soon as possible. Yes, please. So for me, things have been about the same in and out of the hospital working in clinic, you know, seeing sick patients in the hospital. And it's just, it's different trying to juggle life and work. Sometimes those two things in the same place at home has been an adjustment. And I don't think... It's something that we'll ever get used to. It's just different iterations of life right now. So I'm just trying to hang in on whatever iteration we're in for the moment. But I am happy to be back with you guys and very excited. So what are we talking about today, Sean? We are talking about um, the COVID vaccine. Mm -hmm. Right on time, right? Yes. And specifically because it's potentially going to be approved, most likely approved, maybe even before you hear this podcast, for kids who are 5 to 11 years old. Yes, the meeting is coming up. The FDA is having a meeting on October 26th to decide whether or not to give emergency use authorization um, for the Pfizer vaccine for 5 to 11-year-olds. Yeah, and as pediatricians, as moms, We are super excited about the vaccine, but what we want to do is let you guys know why we're so excited about it and why we feel comfortable vaccinating our own kids. Sean, can you tell us a bit about um, maybe your personal experience? Because I know that one of your children was old enough to get the vaccine for the 12-year-olds. Would you mind sharing what, what was your thought process in that? Right. Absolutely. I mean, the, you know, COVID is, is real people. It's Mm -hmm. real. It is still out there. It is still devastating. It still causes a lot of what we say in medicine, morbidity and mortality, which means that 
it causes it can still cause a lot of harm. Mm-hmm. Even though our test positivity rates are down, people are still getting COVID and families are still being affected. So for me, I felt like getting the vaccine was our best chance to get to what I'm calling the new normal. Mm-hmm. There is no going back to 2019. Yeah. Um, there is a line drawn in the sand. There's pre-COVID and then there's after COVID. Mm-hmm. And at this point, we have to try to get to our new normal where we can do things and see friends and family and gather with people in a safe way. So my experience, so so for us, after careful consideration, we, our family just decided that, that we should do it. Mm-hmm. And that's just our, you know, my family. As a physician, of course, I do recommend the vaccine. And so when it was approved for 12-year-olds, I think by the end of the week, we took our daughter. Mm-hmm. She's been fine. She had some soreness on her arm. And maybe a little muscle aches after the second vaccine, Mm -hmm. after the second dose. And she's been fine ever since. So I think it's a good thing. I think that it's our best chance to beat this thing. And as a mom, I I really do not want my children to have COVID. Yeah. I I just don't. That's just the bottom line. If Avoiding COVID is really important because we both have experiences where we see really sick kids, even currently in the hospital, hospital. literally fighting for their lives. You know, people talk about life support and we see kids at this moment who are hospitalized on life support because of COVID. So it's a real thing. And for some reason, it's been liking the younger age groups. This Delta variant has really been tough on the younger age group. So it's very important to protect our kids. And I'm looking forward to the time where I can vaccinate my child who's only five and a half years old. And hopefully that's going to be coming up pretty soon. Pretty soon. Yes. Again, like I said, the, the meeting with the FDA is October 26th. So we just want everyone to be ready mm-hmm. and to be expecting it. And as you all know, in California, it's actually mandated mm-hmm. that children take this vaccine in order to attend any school. Yeah. You just said a, a word that I Uh-oh. don't think many, I know, <laughs> mandated. Um, Uh-oh. So, yeah, it's a trigger word. But it, it is what it is. You know, we're trying to protect kids. And one way you do that is by vaccinating your child so that they're protected, but also their their vaccination helps protect those kids around them that exactly. might be immunosuppressed or that might have family members at home that don't have a normal immune system. So it's protecting yourself, but it's also protecting others. And it's in line with what we do for every other severe disease that affects kids. It's not a it's not new to require vaccines to be seen to be able to attend school. Absolutely. It's it's not new. Everyone has to have MMR, varicella, Chicken, uh, varicella, um, hib, prevnar, diphtheria, tetanus, and pertussis. Mm-hmm. Like your children have had all of these vaccines mm-hmm. and they are required for all schools. 
Yep. And so, but let me just go back. As a parent, I can totally understand, you know, we see you, you know, we want, we want the best for our children and we believe that you want the best for your children as well. And, and so I, I completely understand and we completely understand the hesitation. Mm -hmm. And a lot, a lot of questions that I get is, you know, one of the big, big questions is, oh, they made this vaccine so fast. Mm -hmm. Well, They've been working, they started working on a vaccine for the SARS COVID, the first one that came out in the early 2000s. And so they already kind of had the blueprint for it. And also with the technology, the, the technology has been around for decades as well. And then, you know, people always say, well, they didn't do the other vaccines this fast. Well, think about it. These vaccines were the the older vaccines were first developed in the 50s and the 60s. Mm-hmm. So think of it as a movie. You know, Star Wars that was made in the 70s mm-hmm. versus Star Wars that's made in the 2000s is going to look different mm-hmm. right now because, you know, the technology is better. Mm-hmm. So the technology that we have is better. It's faster. So things are going to be faster because we have the technology to do it. So, you know, that's one thing I want to reiterate and to maybe help to um, address that concern of how fast it was developed Mm -hmm. because we have the technology to do it. Just like we have the technology to do so many other things in our society that we didn't have 20 or 30 years ago. Yeah. And that's a really good point because... It is. It's scary. And, you know, like Sean said, it was a family decision that she had to make with her family about getting one of her kids vaccinated when the vaccine became available. So it really is a discussion that you have with your family, with your physician in order to address any concerns you have and and really reassure you that you're making the right choice for your child. And I also just wanted to share that in addition to having our 12 year old vaccinated, We also enrolled our 10-year-old in a study. And one of the reasons why we did it is because, number one, African-Americans aren't included in a lot of medical studies. And so when the opportunity came, again, we talked about it. And, you know, my 10-year-old, his thing was, I'm the only one in the house who isn't vaccinated. And a lot of our plans, even over the summer, we were like, well, we had to limit things. And so he wanted the chance to participate in the study first to maybe get the vaccine. And then um, he was excited to just to be a part of the process. The fact that he got paid a little something, something didn't hurt hurt either. (laughs) (laughs) He's very excited about his little bit of money that he got. Mm -hmm. But... um, I think it's a good thing. And once they approve the vaccine for his age group, the study will be unblinded and we'll see if he got it or not. Yeah. And that's a that's another thing. If you guys are, if you're approached, you have the opportunity to be enrolled in a study. I do know there are studies that are going on yes. that are not looking just at the efficacy because a lot of those studies have pumped out a lot of data already, but some are looking at the long-term follow-up. So if you have a chance to be enrolled, specifically if you're from a minority population, see 
talk to them. It doesn't yes, hurt. They have it. to answer all your questions before you do the study. They have mm-hmm. to make sure you understand. So it doesn't hurt to, to at least consider the studies and see if you might be a potential participant. Now Absolutely. That's, yeah. So that's the other thing that I think a lot of people had, the problem people had with the the adult vaccine was that they kind of felt like they were being guinea pigs. But the reality is that the vaccines are tested on thousands, if not tens of thousands in the adult population of patients or people before it even makes it to the mainstream. So for pediatrics, there have been thousands of participants in the studies who've received the vaccine already to let us know that it's safe and effective. So our children are not guinea pigs. I don't really like that term because it sort of suggests that you're doing things that aren't great. But even in research studies, they're very careful. And those kids who have gone forth beforehand and have shown that it's safe and effective, they've taken the first step so that now we can feel safe providing this to our children. And thankfully, they have been safe and also shown to be like 90% effective against symptomatic disease. Yes. And that that is that that is the most important thing mm-hmm. that you know we want our children we want all of you to be protected from from symptomatic disease. And I will say just so that we give a balanced perspective, there are there are side effects. Mhm. Um, I'll say I had my booster two days ago, and I did have some body aches Mm -hmm. yesterday, and I was a little bit tired, but I could only imagine what those body aches are like if you actually have COVID. Yeah. I've heard how terrible the body aches are and the fatigue, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, I just took it, I rested, and today I feel much better. So that was the the immediate day after. Mm-hmm. And today I feel pretty good. Well, that's good. So, we, and we're not surprised if there are some symptoms, right? Because right. your body is like mounting a response. Right. It's, it, it feels like, you know, it's, it's ill and it's mounting a response so that it makes those antibodies that you need to later fight infection in case you come into contact with the infection. So it's no surprise to anybody that there are some symptoms of fatigue, some muscle pain that might happen. And thankfully, these symptoms are mild. They resolve usually within 24 to 48 hours mm-hmm. or with a little bit of, you know, Tylenol or something like that. And you're able to go on without having, without the risk of having developed COVID if you are to come into contact with it. I think sometimes people don't realize that COVID, it's not just the, the regular run-of-the-mill cold. Some people end up with symptoms related to having had coronavirus for months or mm-hmm. will will probably see even years. But there's this also this chronic disease that's developing from coronavirus that mm-hmm. we all want to avoid. We don't want to take our chances of just saying, oh, I'll get the virus. I'll take my chances. Mm-hmm. You don't really know what the outcome is going to be or what the chronic illness is going to look like. So, you know, as much as you can, avoid it. And the vaccine is one way to help you avoid that. Um, absolutely. I mean, I'll even talk about, yeah, I'm the trigger girl over here today, I think. I will talk about even myocarditis. Um, You have to say it because people hear it. You have to say it. So myocarditis after the COVID vaccine is way, way, way less than the potential side effects from actually having COVID. Mm -hmm. 
there are children who have to have echocardiograms. They have to have serious cardiac monitoring after having COVID. We, we have to follow a specific protocol before we can let kids who had COVID go back to sports or to do mm-hmm. any of their other activities. And so, again, myocarditis, blood clots after the vaccine, um, all of these things are way, way, way less and extremely rare, I might add, especially in the younger kids, like mm-hmm. the 5 to 11 um, I mean, they're they're just so, so rare. Mm-hmm. And the risk of having those complications with COVID is way higher. Yeah. So, so again, it's more of we want to avoid COVID and long COVID in the long run. Yeah. So it does come down to, you know, really weighing the risks of having COVID, the disease, Mm -hmm. versus the risks associated with the vaccine. And we know the risks associated with COVID. We've seen it over the last year and a half. Mm -hmm. It's unpredictable. Some people do great. Mm -hmm. Some people do poorly. But you can't predict who that person is going to be. Versus the vaccine, which we've seen is fairly safe and effective. For those instances where there have been um, serious side effects, they have been very, very, very uncommon. So Mm -hmm. in my opinion, or at least when I think about this from a a parent standpoint, I'd much rather avoid the risk of having coronavirus in my child because I really cannot tell what the outcome is going to be for her. And I don't want to take that chance. I hope that helps to guide you towards why we do believe in the vaccine and its importance. And another thing that I do want to mention is that the dose for the younger children is going to be less. Mm -hmm. Yes. And the reason is they had to really find what dose was going to be safe and effective for children. And so they landed on this dose and they've, at least the Pfizer data we have, has shown that it's at least 90% um, effective at preventing symptomatic yes. disease. Now, yeah. some people get, they get hung up on, okay, you got the vaccine, but you could still get COVID. What do you say to those people? Well, I just use, again, the flu vaccine as a comparison, which I do highly recommend the flu vaccine as a side note. Um, there are people who I have seen who have the COVID vaccine but now will not get the flu vaccine. Mm-hmm. So what I will say to that is last year, Dr. Fauci and everybody was like, oh, it's going to be this terrible flu season. I'm much more concerned about that this year mm-hmm. because the kids are back in school. People are in daycare. We have settled into our new normal, mm-hmm. this phase of it. And because we're out and about more, I feel like the flu will have more of a chance to to show itself, frankly. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, kids are at school wearing masks, Mm -hmm. but they're getting colds like it's nobody's business. Yep, I I can attest to that fact. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, so I say all that to say, please get your flu vaccine. Mm-hmm. But the reason why we brought the flu vaccine into the conversation is that the flu vaccine on any given year is really only about 40 to 60% effective at preventing actual disease. Mm-hmm. 
The flu shot prevents hospitalization and complications from the flu. Yes. Versus the COVID vaccine, which prevents almost 90% of symptomatic infection. Mm -hmm. Right. And then like severe disease as well. So vaccines are going for prevention of severe disease and hospitalization and death. Mm -hmm. That's what we are trying to prevent. Yeah. So, yes, you still have to mitigate. You still have to be careful. You still have to wear your mask in certain situations. And, um, you know, so I I look at it as, okay, we're in phase two of the new normal. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know when we're going to get to the next phase. I no idea. <laughs> I know where less masking. I mean, because that's going to be a huge psychological shift as well mm-hmm. for a lot of people. So, um, so please get your flu vaccine. Yeah, but get your flu also vaccine. the the COVID vaccine is very, very, very effective. So don't let anyone try to tell you that it's not worth getting the vaccine just because there's a chance you could still contract COVID. Because right. again, vaccines are there to prevent death and hospitalizations. Mm-hmm. They they work against preventing the illness too. We do know for a fact that those who are vaccinated carry less virus in their nares or in their nose over time. So they're less likely to transmit the, the, the disease. But even if you are to get the the disease while vaccinated, we see that the outcomes for those who are vaccinated and those who are not vaccinated are so different. Those who are vaccinated can get over the disease, not have severe illness and not die. And that's the goal of these vaccines. Right. That's the goal. Now, if you're immunocompromised, you have other things going on, underlying conditions, of course, that's different. But for the average healthy person, and that's what we're shooting for because that's the majority of people Mm -hmm. in our population. Yeah. And I think we should just go ahead and put it out there because it is mainstream. A lot of people probably see that um, the late, great Colin Powell recently died after being vaccinated. Yeah. Yeah. Or I can't say after being vaccinated. He died despite being vaccinated mm-hmm. from from COVID. And it's, it's a really unfortunate... Um, it's just really unfortunate because to see that COVID can cut someone's life short. Mm-hmm. Um, but he did have underlying illnesses and other underlying reasons for why he continued to get severe disease. So it's not really a reason not to get your vaccine. Like, like Dr. Sean said, and that person who is immunocompromised or sick from other reasons, there's still the potential that they have severe illness, but the vaccine gives them a chance to live also. So that's even more reason to get the vaccine is to increase your chance of doing okay, whether immunocompromised or not, in case you were to contract the illness. And and that's a plug for if you are immunocompromised, meaning that your immune system is reduced because of an underlying condition, please get your booster mm-hmm. yes. if you have not done so already. And so boosters are available. Yes, boosters mm-hmm. are available. So please get it. Yep. And that also goes for healthcare workers. Yes. If you work in long-term um, care facilities and things Teachers, like that. Yep. Daycare providers. You are you are eligible to get a booster as well. Yep. Grocery store workers. Mm-hmm. 65 and up. Yes. Anybody please else? get your booster. Yeah. Please get your booster, people. Yeah. And your flu vaccine. And you can actually get them both on the same day. You can. 
There's no reason you can't get them both. <laughs> you can. We, you can. So if you're headed to the doctor for one, ask them to throw in the other. I'm pretty sure they'd be happy to do so because our job is to vaccinate you when we see you. So, And it's safe to get both of those vaccines in the, in the same day for kids too, for, for the 12-year-olds well. too. So if you guys have any questions about what we've talked about, mm-hmm. um, feel free to reach out to us on our social media or on our um, Instagram or even yes. related to this podcast post. And we'd be happy to, to answer those questions. Of course, what you get from us, because we are just your friendly neighborhood pediatricians on a podcast, it does not um, substitute for your doctor's advice. Okay. Yes. So I always want to encourage you to establish a relationship with the pediatrician, maintain that relationship with that pediatrician. But of course, we're here in the meantime to kind of help navigate the waters and provide you with guidance. Absolutely. Absolutely. Please talk to your doctors. Please talk to your pediatricians. You know, you, you, you trust your pediatrician to take care of your children. Please trust them on this as well. Mm -hmm. Okay. Please. They, they really, really only want the best for your children. I think as pediatricians, like that's because we have, you know, many of us have children ourselves Mm -hmm. or we have nieces and nephews or we have godchildren. And that's why we went into pediatrics, because we love children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And even though children have um, lower rates of COVID, usually less severe disease, you know, if even one you know, if even one of my patients has a bad outcome, you know, that's just, that does not sit well with me. No. So, you know, we don't want not one to not, we don't want to have um, one death or bad outcome that was preventable. Yeah, yeah. We sure don't. Yeah, especially knowing that we have the technology and the resources now to avoid mm-hmm. these bad outcomes. It really just tugs at our heart. Yeah. And so the the good thing about pediatricians, like you said, is they are parents or grandparents or, or some kind of parent. And we truly just want to see the kids do well. We also have a great governing body, the AAP, who really is on the on the top of science and really takes it seriously. Yes. Um, so our oversight is very good as well. So establish those relationships, trust mm-hmm. your pediatrician, build the relationships, come in with a list of questions about the COVID vaccine if necessary. Absolutely. Because that's what they're there for. We literally counsel about vaccines as a major role in our job. That's part of our job description. Absolutely. So don't be afraid to ask questions. And no question is silly. Mm-mm. No nope. question is silly. Absolutely not. You know, we want to hear from you. We, Your pediatricians want to hear from you. They mm-hmm. want you to ask the questions so that they can give you the correct information. Yes, definitely. All right. Well, with that said, this is another episode of Faith Family Medicine. We are so happy to be coming back to you guys. Yay, we're back in the second round of COVID, the post-COVID era. I know. (laughs) We're kind of, we're still like socially distanced. You can't see us, but we're like separated, masked up while we're here in the studio. Um, but we'll we'll get back to our new normal as things go along. But thank you guys for joining us. And thank you. We will see you next time. Yes, take care.
The views and opinions expressed by Dr. Laster and Dr. Watkins are their own and are not representative of their respective employers.